If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. It's the largest Leonardo da Vinci invention traveling exhibition in the world. We've got all of these different inventions. Some of the inventions, it's the first time they've really seen the light of day. When you hear the name Leonardo da Vinci, what comes to mind? In all probability, what you first thought in response to that question doesn't have a lot to do with engineering or inventions. However, in addition to his talents as a master artist, both of those are areas in which da Vinci excelled. And a number of his concepts as an inventor were several centuries ahead of his time, as illustrated by an exciting traveling exhibition, which the Las Vegas Natural History Museum is currently hosting. Da Vinci Machines and Robotics will be on display at the museum through September 10, 2022. Kate Porter is co-executive director of the Las Vegas Natural History Museum. Kate, you have this incredible exhibition right now, the traveling exhibit, The Machines and Robotics of Leonardo da Vinci. Would you tell me the story of that exhibition, please? Gladly. It is one of the more exciting traveling exhibitions that we have had in the past couple of years here at the museum. And this has been our first full year open post-quarantine lockdown. So a wonderful treat to be able to welcome not only our community back in, but to have such a showstopper to share. So this has been something we've been in discussion with the artisans of Florence on for, oh my gosh, quite some time. And it's an amazing exhibition. It's the largest Leonardo da Vinci invention traveling exhibition in the world. And so they've actually sort of done a little bit of a takeover of the front of our museum because we just couldn't turn any of the pieces away. We wanted to be sure to share all of it with the public. And so in our front exhibition gallery, we've got all of these different inventions, flying machines, all of these different things. And then moving into our marine life gallery, I didn't know this until we started working with the artisans of Florence, but he also had several aquatic inventions from the first life preserver device that has the exact donut shape that we see on boats and ships today to a very early idea about scuba gear that closely mimics the scuba gear we see so much later on. And so everything is made by the artists of Florence in partnership with different scholars and historians, and they've taken these codices and 500 years later created the inventions that he had theorized about or maybe created for play productions or, you know, kind of had these different use cases for. But some of the inventions, it's the first time they've really seen the light of day. And it's very, very cool because they use traditional materials and only materials that himself had available at that time. So as authentic as you can get. Wow. I had no idea about the aquatic machines myself. I knew he had made a flying machine, but I had no idea about the scuba gear nor the aquatic machines, nor that he made robots. He made robots? Oh my gosh. Yes. He made automatrons and very early robots. And it's interesting because we have evidence that, you know, he's known for being this wonderful artist and painter and whatnot. 
but actually he was also inventing and working on theatrical productions for like the Duke of Milan and some of these different aristocrats of the time. And so he would create stage props for these different productions. And one of those was actually a knight. And so it was a suit of armor that had a bunch of different gears and pulleys and, and whatnot in it. And the knight would be able to move autonomously and lift its visor, which mind blowing for the time. Keep in mind, we are far away from electricity and telephones and all, all of that at this point. And also the artisans of Florence were able to take some of his sketches and for the first time introduced to the world, the mechanical drummer, which is this robotic machine with all of these different gears and whatnot. But the one thing that I really love about it is there's a wooden cog in the center and the cog has a different pattern on it that controls the arms. And depending on which wooden cog is in the center, that dictates what the rhythm is. So you can actually change up the song the drummer would be able to play. It sounds like Da Vinci had a few paintings and a lot, lot, lot of engineering drawings. Is that correct? That's correct. So his education and background is a little interesting for the time because we tend to see him celebrated later in life. But he was actually born and his parents weren't married whenever he was born. And so he did not go to traditional school and all of the schooling he received was actually on his father's estate. And it really created this interesting situation where he was encouraged to look to the natural world for the answers to his scientific questions and to really explore and examine these different things. And even his writing style became very specific to him. So in the codices that they found, you need a mirror to read them because they're written from right to left. And so it's just kind of, you see these early ideas of his mind working in such a different way than ours does today. I mean, I'm, I am not on that level. So. <laughs> Nor am I ever. <laughs> right? And so you see these really interesting creative ideas. And then when he, he wants to expand, you see at a certain point in his life, he wants to expand beyond just the artistry of things. He's done artistic apprenticeships. He's got the art on lock, shall we say. And he wants to expand. And so he actually went to the local aristocracy and I believe it was the Duke of Milan he had pitched himself as a military engineer and so a lot of his inventions we see are actually tactical advantages how to push ladders off of the edge of your castle fortress building whatever a ladder that then could be independently standing so if you're the one trying to go up the ladder into somebody else's castle fortress across their wall they can't use that same technology against you. So it's really interesting. He even invented a very early tank that would have been operated by a couple of men inside that would allow a couple of other men to shoot the cannons. One flaw with the tank, though, because of the way the cogs rotate for the wheels, it could spin around really well, but you can't go forwards and backwards. So once you're there, you're there. Wow. I just can't conceive of that. I'm curious. I looked at your video online and you have something that looks for all the world like a spaceship. That cannot be a spaceship. It's quite a beautiful kind of conical shaped 
contraption. What is that? Is it made of wood? Yes. I believe that actually might be the tank. Let me grab a, a quick, is it this one? Oh, that's it. That's the one you were just talking about. That is in fact the tank. Wow. And so yeah, you see it the first time you're thinking, what on earth is that? Mm -hmm. But the top actually lifts off and the folks would climb into it. And then you can have your cannons positioned and different things like that. And then the, the top can be placed back on. So that actually is the tank. That is brilliant. We know that yes. he made the drummer and the knight. Is there a record of him making a lot of the other things or simply having drawn and done the prototypes? So we do know it's a mix, to be quite frank. It's a mix. So one of the pieces that I particularly enjoy is a bicycle in the collection that very much resembles a modern bicycle. And there's some debate because the, the drawing itself a little different flair might have been done by one of his apprentices or something like that but they they strongly believe that it was actually a stage prop and he had created it so some of these things we do think he did actually create but for the most part it is the the theory coming through to the point where he actually had created a parachute and they couldn't find any evidence that the parachute had been created and utilized. So went to recreate it. And it's it's kind of an odd angle. It, it's sort of a square. And so as they were recreating it, they're like, there's no way this is going to work. No way. And sure enough, they found a note in the CODIS that called for a specific type of fabric. And if you use any other type of fabric, it doesn't allow enough air to go through while also giving you the parachute effect. And if you use this very specific type of fabric, you're able to actually utilize the parachute. It works. And so there's indicators that maybe there was some experimenting or testing there, but it's really, really hard to prove exactly what he created or how far things got versus how much of it was just pure theory. Wow. And of course, your exhibit has given me a wholly different perspective on it now, because before, if you'd said Leonardo da Vinci, I would have said artist, but engineer exactly. and artist. A, a stage manager, he developed an early floodlight that very much looks like what we would see at maybe a lighthouse, but used it for the stage productions. So I, it's, this exhibition has really expanded my own understanding of da Vinci, because like you, you know, I've seen the Mona Lisa at the Louvre, I've seen the Sistine Chapel, I've seen, you know, these different things. And I think Renaissance artist, but in fact, he truly is the Renaissance man. He certainly is. Like any inventor, he must have had some failures. Do we know that he ever had any good failures that he learned from, like makers do today? <laughs> I'm sure, given the fact that he had a bit of a reputation for you know, kind of pushing the boundaries and thinking so drastically outside the box. I don't know of any failures offhand, but I'm sure the folks from Artisans of Florence who have actually gone into those different codices and really done the deep digging could come up with several examples. So I can get you a couple of examples for later. <laughs> that would be fun. What's been most fun for you so far hosting this special exhibition? For me, it's been seeing how it inspires people 
that's really part of our mission here at the Natural History Museum is, you know, we want to inspire a better understanding and appreciation. And this exhibition knocks it out of the park. It's fun to see the little kids really start to think about engineering and inventing differently. With everything being so tech driven these days, I think some of that gets lost a little bit. The, the idea of ingenuity and how things can fit together and that basic engineering. And we've heard kids in the hallway afterwards say, you know, I think I could invent a whatever fill in the blank. Or I think when I go home, I have that wheel that kind of spins and I want to, and they look at their bikes a little differently. And they, and so I love that it really breaks down the basic mechanics for the younger folks. But then for the rest of us, like you said, and you and I have been chatting about, it's really broadened our perspective. And we're seeing technology that doesn't reemerge for centuries, which is crazy that, you know, e even with that stage prop bike, that's obviously my favorite, we don't see that reintroduced until we go big bicycle with a tiny wheel that's a terrible catastrophe of like hazard for <laughs> most of its riders. And, and eventually... We get back to that same design, but it's more of like a safety bike at that point because the other renditions of a bicycle have been so crazy. And so to think that these codices have been just sort of floating for 500 years and it's not until the artisans of Florence and the Nikolai Institute really started the, putting everything together in the deep research that we're seeing that technology is thought of. And we're just now rediscovering it. That actually blew me away when I looked at the bicycle. And then I realized 300 years later, people come along and they make a bicycle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's as you sort of look around the room, you see that if he wasn't quite there, like with the, he had a helicopter design, for instance, that did not create that. We have no evidence of that. And it would have been 15 feet across and it would have definitely made a headline somewhere if <laughs> he had created it because it was going to be four men like cranking and, but he got so close and you, you think that for somebody with an informal education, who's just looking to the outside world and experimenting and making these things, it's so interesting how close he got to basically he had the, the idea that it needed to spin to create lift. And, and those are things that the everyday person can rediscover for themselves through this exhibition. Did I also see that he made what looked like a printing press? I saw something with some rollers in your video. Yes. I'm trying to think which piece that is in particular. Because there wasn't a printing press per se. But... Of which piece that is with the rollers on it because there's so many that have the different cogs and the different there's a plow there's all of these different oh there is one it might have showed up as a roller in the video but there's actually you see he's building on a lot of Archimedes principles as well so he's taken the Archimedes screw and enhanced it and a couple of other things but there's no printing press exactly I saw those rollers and that's what I thought, but it's probably something that never occurred to me. Sure. Now you've got me thinking 
about it with fresh eyes and I'm going to go back in that gallery and take a peek after this. (laughs) If I get to see this, your dates are from now until the 10th of September, if I have that correct, at the Museum of History. Yes. What's the link for people to find out more about the exhibition and what are your hours? Sure. So we are open daily and that is seven days a week, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can buy tickets at the door or find out more information and buy tickets online at LVNHM, like Las Vegas Natural History Museum, dot org. LVNHM.org. Correct. Kate also shared a message. I just think I'd like to say, you know, thank you to our community for making the museum flourish and become what it is today. And thank you for our members and our guests for coming and exploring the wonders of the world with us. And at the Las Vegas Natural History Museum, that exploration can be hands-on. Did I see some art and science activities for the kids as well for Science Saturdays? That's correct. So our Science Saturdays are going strong this summer. And we've been able to really take inspiration from the exhibition and encourage folks of all ages to come out and explore a little bit of that maker fun for themselves. And so each Saturday, we're doing some sort of different activity that either pulls from the art itself, which one of our junior volunteers actually came up with an art workshop inspired by the exhibit. And she's going to be teaching this art workshop, encouraging other juniors out there to really fuel their creativity and to paint the world as they see it. Because he did, obviously, we know, change painting by doing the the different perspective. Up until Da Vinci, everybody was face on or full profile. And so she's encouraging folks to really kind of think outside the box in, in the art class there. And then the rest of the Science Saturdays are a little bit more engineering based. And we're looking at simple mechanics. And there's one very fun one that a community member is going to be bringing to us later in the summer. So definitely stay tuned for that where we're going to take recycled cardboard and create a little cog that a dinosaur will come up out and scoop something into its dino lair. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're working with the community member to set a date on that right now, but we know it'll be later this summer. This is going to be a lot of fun for anybody that comes by. What do you consider one of the very best, either artistic or otherwise creative lessons from the Da Vinci exhibit? Ooh, this is a tricky one, Doc, because there's just, like I said, it knocks it out of the park. It's truly such a well-done exhibition, and it shows so much depth and gives you so much, you find something new each time. I think the thing that I love about it most is that folks really do come away looking at the world a little bit differently feeling a little bit more inspired to explore for themselves. And that's really what it's all about. We want folks to go home and and try making their own contraptions, whether it's Lego or Connects or cardboard. It doesn't matter. It's just that, that ingenuity that's hardwired into us as humans. And it's just really cool to see folks at any level with any resources they have around be inspired to go home and explore that and then be proud of whatever contraption they made, whether 
is a dino that comes out and scoops something in or something as simple as, you know, uh, maybe something water-based where the water moves from one side to the other. It doesn't take a lot to really explore how this world works in the basic physics of the world. And that's, that's what I love about it. For anybody listening that says, oh, Las Vegas has a natural history museum, where do they find you? Everybody keeps saying we are the best kept secret in Las Vegas. And I keep telling those people, we're not a secret. Shout it to your friends because we've been here for 30 years. We're community founded and we're going to be here for much more than another 30. So we are on North Las Vegas Boulevard at the corner of North Las Vegas and Washington. We're right next to the historic Mormon Fort National or State Park. And we are down the street from the Neon Museum. So if somebody's kind of interested in making a little bit of a Las Vegas day of it, we do have three museums right here. And after the Da Vinci exhibit closes on September 10th, the Natural History Museum will continue to inspire visitors to keep coming up with new ideas and bring them to life. Our education department is already working ahead well into next year, actually to make sure that we've got new, fresh content all the time for folks to keep that inspiration and that spark going. Later this fall, we're actually going to be doing a little bit of a pivot. It is the 100th anniversary of the discovery of King Tut's tomb. And so, and that's in November. In 1922, Howard Carter discovered it. And so we're actually going to be looking not only at ancient Egyptian culture and their inventions, which we know they were definitely prolific as well, but we're also going to be looking at how archaeology has changed in the last 100 years from Howard Carter going, you know, into the tomb to the use of drones and scanning equipment that's far less invasive these days. So we've got some really fun programming around that. And then from roughly Thanksgiving through the new year, we are going to continue our Science Saturdays with a little bit more of a winter theme. So we're going to be looking at the elements and and different things like that. But also we're going to start December to remember where any community organization or religious group, cultural group can come into the museum and create an exhibit, a workshop and decorate a tree that's part of their cultural tradition. And so the entire grand hallway is transformed for the holidays with these traditions from around the world. And they also will have an online component too. So all of this will have online resources for folks to check out, different activities to do at home, because we understand, you know, not everybody can make it to sunny Las Vegas. But for those that are here, we do encourage you to come in because we've always got something new and exciting happening. With December to remember, do you already have all the community organizations or do you need to hear from schools that would like to be a part of this? We do have a large portion of our partners already locked in, but there is a little bit of space left. So if anybody is interested in showcasing their holiday traditions, definitely reach out to us. Our email address will be dino, D-I-N-O, at lvnhm.org, or you can always give us a call, 702-384-3466. And I'm assuming they wouldn't necessarily have to be in the Vegas area if you're going to do a virtual component as well, or am I mistaken? We would like to keep it local to Las Vegas just because there's such a rich culture here. 
that we'd like to be sure that all of our local community cultures are highlighted. And also too, you know, if you're somewhere else and you want to showcase your culture, it might be worth reaching out to your local natural history museum or cultural center to really celebrate what you have locally there, but then give us online content too, so that we can all celebrate together virtually. And share our unique local cultures. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Kate, if people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from the work you're doing with the Natural History Museum in Las Vegas? Don't be afraid. I think in our digital age of, you know, curated content for Instagram and TikTok and the filters and all of that, I think it creates this expectation for perfection. And like we were talking about earlier, I couldn't think of an example right off the bat, but failure's part of it. And, you know, the the volcano exploding all over the kitchen is part of it. The, yeah, <laughs> you know, the invention not quite working the way you anticipated is part of it. And I think that that gets lost a little bit sometimes as everybody's looking for that postable moment or that content, that curated content. And so my encouragement would just be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to learn something new. Don't be afraid to connect with your community. Don't be afraid to really try something different that's not in your wheelhouse and see what happens. Because nine times out of 10, you're going to get an awesome, memorable experience from it. And it's going to help you move forward to be an even better person and part of the community. Kate, thank you for your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Dot. Thank you for inviting me to join you. You and I have been listening to Kate Porter co-executive director of the Las Vegas Natural History Museum. Find out more about the Leonardo da Vinci Machines and Robotics exhibition on display at the museum from now through September 10th, 2022 at lvnhm.org. And while you're there, check out the museum's programs and upcoming special events, including their Science Saturdays and December to Remember. Once again, that's lvnhm.org. That concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.